Welcome to Matters of the Mind. Are you looking for answers, ideas, or just want someone to listen to you so you can vent? Join Dr. Peter Sacco as he discusses what matters most, issues that surround the mind. He gets to the heart of the matter when it comes to issues involving anger, depression, addictions, fear, anxiety, relationships, sex, abuse, bullying, and everything concerning you. And now, here's your host, Dr. Peter Sacco. Time is slipping away. Well, hello there, and welcome to Matters of the Wine, where everything on your mind matters to us most each and every week, day, year, whatever you want to call it. With me is Todd Miller, my co-host and producer, and I'm Dr. Peter Andersacco. Good morning. So it is February the 3rd, folks, and I'm looking at today like a really intriguing day. Um, Donald Trump has been nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. That is like, wow, I'm starting to believe that the zombie apocalypse could really be just around the corner. Todd, is this not a bizarro world universe that we live in? I had not read that, so that is a complete surprise, and I'm, uh, as the English said, gobsmacked. I don't know what to say. Um, I'd like to find out more about who nominated him and why, because from what I, everything he said is, is from, in my opinion, not very um, peaceful, shall we say. Yeah. He wants to ban Canadians from the United States because we have a problem with immigration, according to him. Yeah, we have a lot of interesting things that, uh, as Canadians, I, you know, watching from the sidelines. And I know we had our wonderful guest Richard Hutton on a couple of weeks ago. Richard, uh, wonderful reporter, good individual, somebody I know. He's got his wonderful views on the Donald. And um, it's kind of interesting because we've had a Nobel Peace Prize winner on our show, Dr. Kwame Doncor, in the past. So I can imagine Dr. Doncor today, you know, seeing the headlines and going, oh, wow. If he becomes a Nobel Prize winner, I am in some select company. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Dr. Donkor returns his Nobel Prize in, in protest. Not protest. I'm not suggesting that he will, but you know, I would think if I um, if I won one for something and then somebody else was uh, of questionable ethics and character, I would probably return mine in, pro- in protest. Yeah, but it does make you think. Like I was telling friends of mine today. Um, Perhaps anything's possible. I am in my glory that the X-Files revival has not only come back, but it's one of the biggest, actually the biggest splash right now in the media and probably going to be around for a while, possibly from what I'm hearing. Twin Peaks is coming back. David Lynch is bringing that back. So, Todd, I'm 50% of the way there with the zombie apocalypse just with that alone. But if Donald wins... Nobel Peace Prize and Sammy Hagar and Van Halen kiss and make up this year and they tour, then I'm in 100% for the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> you, okay. you think we're going down a slippery slope pretty fast, right? Like the end of the world is nigh, as they say. Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, wow. I mean, you know, Eddie and, and uh, so you prefer Sammy over Dave, do you? Oh, absolutely. That's just, for me, I've always loved Sammy. I think Sammy is definitely the more talented person. And when people go, well, what about his showmanship and all of that stuff? I've seen him enough times. I've seen both of them. All I know is that Sammy's, what, about seven, eight years older than Roth. And, boy, he's got great chops still. 
Yeah, no, I've seen uh, I've seen some recent footage, and and Dave, uh, unfortunately, Dave, you know, as you get older, your vocal range shrinks, and you know, you don't become as limber. So, um, unfortunately, Dave's suffering a little bit, but you know, it's to be expected of of entertainers that have reached a certain age. But um, I was always a Dave man, I think, because I I found Van Halen when they first came out, and I my reaction was kind of like, what is this? Um, and then for a few years, Dave was Dave, and it was all well and good. And then he's sort of a in some respects, in my own opinion, he's a bit of a character of what he was. Yeah, and I think that's what it is. I think the difference is one is an entertainer and one is a true musician. And, you know, people have always asked me, because Van Halen and the Beatles are my favorite bands of all time, and they've always asked me. First of all, I love Van Halen, so I like any incarnation of them because the band's a band. But I know one thing. It's absolutely the last Roth tour. It's got to be killing Eddie Van Halen to not be able to play about 10 to 12 years of his catalog. And let's be realistic, any very good musician, great musician will tell you that they only get better with age, they become better. And some of his greatest guitar licks were done with Hager. Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, there's about 10 to 12 years worth of material there that could get a good airing out in public. And I would say uh, about 50% of the current uh, fans that are listening to them and going to see their concerts would come, and there'd be another fifty percent that would say, "No, I'm not into the Hager years," and they would, and they would not go. But uh, you know, again, it's a band that's managed to reinvent itself a couple of times and provide us with some wonderful uh, musical therapy, as I like to call it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Music is what the cure and end all be all that ails the soul. So we got a really good guest today, Todd. His name is Phil Cheney, which. He's a really interesting character because he's actually an Australian, and he's in Canada. So it's kind of cool to have a Canadian Aussie joining us. He, he willingly came to Canada, did he? Wasn't against his will? <laughs> because you know, Australia is a pretty nice country, from what I understand, and I'd like to get there one day. And when time travel is invented, um, so that I can step in a teleportal or or be beamed there, like I'm going off the Enterprise, I would go. But I hear it's like a 24, 26 hour. Uh, journey from end to end. Yeah, I think you'd have to be self-medicated up for that. Definitely be in first class. Uh, bring your greatest music selection for your iPhone or iPod, and um, whatever it is, it is. And I think uh, it'll make time pass. Yeah, I wouldn't be traveling with my uh, six and seven-year-old on a 24-hour flight. I don't think it's 24 hours in the air, but I think by the time you connect and get to different airports and catch other flights, you, you've lost a day in, uh, in travel, and I think that would be a bit much for a, for a young family. But, you know, if someone wants to send me a plane ticket to do a show over there, by all means, I'm in for it. I'll, I'll go down there solo and, and check it out for you. Yeah, I've been offered a fair bit of stuff to go over there and that stuff. And um, I guess lately my point of view is that, man, one of the great stopovers is in Hawaii. And you know what, Todd? It'd be pretty bloody tempting to just stay there. So I'm thinking stopover in Hawaii before you get to... Uh, Australia, and you got to see New Zealand. I mean, it's where the the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings were were filmed. And I think uh, that's I'm thinking think six weeks would probably do it end to end. I mean, a week or two in Hawaii, week or two in Aussie land, and then a week or two in, in New Zealand before coming back should just about do it up nicely. Yeah, I, I think uh, it'd be it'd be a fun trip, and I think you know we'll, we'll be talking to Phil about that, and especially. You know, I don't know if you had a chance. I was going through in depth of his resume slash CV and bio. Phil is actually a published published poet, 
He's traveled to over 40 countries, worked as a CEO, a director, an IT analyst, a soldier, a policeman, a consultant, a marketer, a producer, a builder, a musician, and a university lecturer. And um, yes, I was reading that this morning and I thought, wow, here's a guy that's got a more diverse resume than me because I, I go everywhere from from Baskin Robbins to the CNIB to uh, the music industry to retail to, uh, you know, restaurants. Uh, it's all over the map. But this guy, I think, Phil, has eclipsed me. Yeah, and I think it ties in wonderfully as to why we have him on our show today, because Phil is also a life coach. He teaches and preaches abundance, an abundant life, how to get the most out of your life. And what's interesting is we've got Valentine's Day coming, what are we, about a week, a week and a few days, you know, the Hallmark holiday. Yeah. And he's actually got a book in a platform on how to energize your love or find love in this world today. Finding is the most difficult. Uh, well, okay, let me scratch that. I think keeping it is, is maybe harder than finding it. Well, everyone can find it somewhere, I think, but keeping it is the harder part. It's the, uh, it's the mechanics of renewal. You need to constantly put a focus on your relationship and not take it for granted for it to survive and thrive. It's like a garden. You know, if you don't water it, don't give it adequate sunshine and proper soil, um, pretty much everything in the garden dies. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is I've been, you know, approached by people, discuss this. In fact, even discussing it in lectures and that stuff where I've spoken at. And it's kind of ironic. So many people can look forever and ever to find love, and it finally shows up in their life. And we're talking it could be not only years but decades. And sartonically, they can kill it within a matter of days. You know, and that's a thing I've learned, too, from looking at a lot of my friends who have had long stretches of uh, um, being alone or being solo, whether by choice or whether or not, um, you get pretty set in your ways. You know, you like when you eat dinner, you like when you get up, you like that Friday afternoons you go to the farmer's market and nothing's going to change that. And when you get in a relationship and you've got somebody else that says, hey, wouldn't it be nice if on Friday afternoons we went and did whatever? And then all of a sudden you go, wait a second. Friday afternoons is, for, is the farmer's market, you know, and, and Saturdays I sleep until 830, you know, it's it's give and take, push and pull. Um, and somebody said something interesting to me. A relationship is not 50-50. A relationship is 100-100. Each person has to give 100% of, of themselves. Yeah, and I think that's where the slippery, slippery slope comes into play, where it's it becomes a matter of am I giving too much, am I not giving enough, and am I losing myself in this? And, you know, there always is compromise in a relationship. And I think you're right, Todd. I think the longer you're single, you have to learn to compromise more. And I know I'm probably going to get shot by a, a former ex of mine if she's listening to this. But I'll throw it out there because we do have a great relationship still as friends. But, not, you know, I went from being single, um, enjoying sports, going to rock concerts, playing guitar, going for drives, hanging out on the weekend, doing absolutely nothing on a nice summer day to actually spending an entire day, Todd, in a place like Michael's Craft Store, Joanna Fabrics, and some other, uh, you know, stores along those. So Come that on was, now. That was my, uh, you know, picture of that, Todd. You got a chance. Okay, man, I get to go and see a really, really good concert. Um, Ian Asbury is <laughs> going to be playing with the Doors, the second revival of the Doors, or... Join a fabrics for an afternoon. 
Come on, you know the answer to that. That the answer to that is that is couple time. That is where you're building your relationship and spending time together. It's yeah. looking at fabrics, watches, and paint chips. Yeah, yeah. And all I could hear, you know, going through my mind is she sells sanctuary, meaning, you know, meeting LA woman, sort of going through my mind. No, I, I think I'd be with you at the Doors concert. I would say, you know, uh, Michael's is going to be open tomorrow and the fabric place will be open tomorrow. However, the Doors and Ian Asbury will be long gone by tomorrow. And so it was, Todd. It was one of those days at Michael's. Joanna Fabrics for myself as I sat there like other men at the front of the store looking like moping kids. Were you holding a purse? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, actually I was was holding the big purse. And then I'm one of those guys where I remember her having a ton of these bags. And rather than, you know, she's going, well, we can do a couple, you know, don't do it all in one trip to bring the stuff in when we got back to home. I'm one of these that hooks as many as I can around my index finger i think that's an italian thing because uh my my ex-in-laws you carry every bag you do not do two trips you you hook them on everything you can but you bring them all in in one trip yeah and there's no circulation in your finger for about five to ten minutes after or you're going to the tap and running cold water you're beating your hand on a wall to get the blood flow back in yeah yeah, and it was all in the name of sacrificing a day and not seeing the doors with well, Ian Asprey. Thank you for taking one for the team. You've done us proud. You can keep your man card. Maybe you're turning <laughs> it in. I don't know. Oh, the fun things that we do in the name of romance, love, and compromise. And we come back, we're going to have Phil Cheney, who is an abundant life coach, who's going to tell us all about the lessons in love and also how to track what you want in your life. And I hope we have enough time to cover his resume because he's got a lot of things in there. You're listening to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio worldwide at talk-radio.ca. The music you'll hear on Out of the Blue will be jazz for the most part. No specific styles or genres. Every piece of music is handpicked to deliver quality performances. Out of the Blue can be heard on rtds.ca, live Mondays, 1 to 3 p.m., and encore performances Tuesday to Friday, anytime on demand. It's the true spirit of jazz, a touch of everything and then some. Thanks for listening. I'm Larry Green. Well, hello there. This is Dr. Peter Andrusacco, host of Matters of the Mind. Just want to thank you all for making 2015 a tremendous season again for our show, and we look forward to seeing you next year. Hey, do you like to read? I've got some free books from you. That's right. Yours truly have some really cool books you might find interesting, especially if you like The Walking Dead or are a Vampire Diaries fan. Check out my website, petersacco.com. That's Peter, S-A-C-C-O.com. And right now you can download Why in the Hell Serial Killers? Crazy for Vampires and Zombies. And also you can check out my book and download Technological Raid. Yep, folks, they are free. And also for those interested in making a difference in anti-bullying campaigns, you can download three free ebooks right now. Also at petersacco.com. And you can go to bullyingisforthebirds.com. Thank you once again so much, folks. You are the best listeners in the world. We exist because of you. Have a great holiday season this year. 
to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Peter Sacco. Heard worldwide on Listen Up Talk Radio at talk-radio.ca. Welcome back to Matters of the Mind, where everything in your mind matters to us each and every week on this wonderful February 3rd, where we have balmy winds and tropical black storms coming through the Ontario region, which may, in a roundabout way, uh, make our guests smile a little bit because it's a little bit of that down under weather where it's a little warmer in the winter here. So joining us is our wonderful guest, Bill Cheney, who is an Australian transplanted in Toronto, Canada. As we talked about earlier before, Phil is a former CEO, director, IT analyst, soldier, policeman, consultant, marketer, producer, builder, musician, university lecturer, and we have him on our show because he is an abundant life coach, a life coach that teaches you how to prosper and get the things that you want in your life. Hey, Phil, how's it going? Yeah, really good, thank you. So, um, how long have you been in Canada? About three years now, um, and uh, I came over because uh, I married my wife here is Canadian, and that's why I'm not in sunny Australia. Although, to be honest, <laughs> with the Toronto weather at the moment, it's uh, pretty much like um, it's pretty much like an Australian winter here at the moment. It's very hard <laughs> to adjust. <laughs> So you've been in Canada for, for quite some time, and um, did you, I mean, you've had so many, I was looking at your resume this morning, you've had so many things that you've done in your life. Um, how did you choose what you were going to do once you got to Canada? Were you firmly entrenched in, in, in coaching and, and music, or did you want to start fresh when you got to, to Canada? Um, that's a very good question. Actually, uh, when, I, when I was here, um, my life changed for a number of different reasons. Um, the opportunity to uh, to live in a different way was necessary to Canada anyway, um, because I didn't have the um, connections and um, you know both social and business uh, over here. So I had to start again in some in some ways, and my wife challenged me to um, to do some writing. And I did that, and I actually have written eight books now. And uh, one of them um, uh, was released by a UK publisher um, in September of last year. Very, um, so that was very exciting. Um, and I'm now producing a CD with uh, friends from a cafe in St. Clair called DeSoto's. Um, and so that, that's also been really good fun. Um, so I don't wake up in the morning and think, oh, I've got, got to get to work today. It's uh, much more about what am I called to do today? And uh, that's a very liberating thing. And in fact, that's where I'm going to be um, working on more and more is, is the aspect of freedom, because I believe that everybody needs the freedom um, to choose and to know that they actually have that, uh, that are empowered and can be empowered to actually live a life of both abundance and, and liberation. So, Phil, 
you bring up the magic word abundance and you know you got a wonderful wonderful website for anybody listening definitely go to www.philchaney.com that's phil c-h-e-n-e-y.com and phil's got a wonderfully put together interactive website where he also offers books poems and coaching and motivational presentations um so your biggest premise in tenant phil um reading through your stuff um is that you want to have people and i love your your quote there the sunrise comes the chance to grow without fear into what your potential has always been and you talk <laughs> about following your spirit towards living abundantly so when and you know what phil a lot of people will say okay there's more of that you know talk more of this okay uh lip service blah 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 how do you convince people or get them interested in this law of attraction the abundance that they seek and how do you convince them that it really does work first of all i i guess i don't convince people i don't try to change their minds i think that the power is actually within <clears throat> so i'm actually quite averse to people telling what to do um, so I think I, the same applies to it as well. In, in the case of in the case of abundance, what I try to do is to encourage people to see the potential within themselves. There's a really lovely poem that was written many centuries ago by Saint Teresa of Avila, and he and she wrote, um, "When he touches me, I clutch the sky's sheets the way." Other lovers do the earth's weave of clay. Any real ecstasy is a sign you're moving in the right direction. And I think that is, to me, one of the essential elements of abundance is abundance is not just about what you own. In fact, it's primarily not about what you own. It's about what you are <clears throat> and the potential to experience that. So for me, I find that being able to encourage people to see that they are actually worthy, that they actually do have value, and that they're connected via the energy of love, that is, that's the essential ingredient of, um, of what abundance is to me. So following that thought up, you said abundance isn't necessarily what you own. And you, and you just spoke about your wife saying to you, Think about what you want to do now. You've had so many things you've done in the past. Many of those things have been what I like to call stable employment. That's predictable. You get a paycheck every two weeks. You get benefits. You know what your hours of work are. You know where you work every day. It's very much, you know, you're going from A to Z. You know exactly where you're going. Um, how do you speak to people that don't think they're experiencing abundance and yet, are, are, I like to term it shackled. They're shackled to a traditional job. They love that paycheck. They love the stability, the predictability of it. And they have this incredible fear of the unknown when they're thinking about changing careers or, you know, someone's 55 years old and they're thinking, I always wanted to be a painter. I hate my job. I want to move on, but I'm fearful. How do you work with them to sort of negate that fear a little bit and say the abundance will come? The fear, the fear is always about what 
might go wrong. It's, it, it's about the unknown. Uh, when I came over here, I just had my guitar and, and a suitcase. And everything else uh, was, is still in Australia, including my family and my daughters, my beautiful daughters and my grandchildren. To be able to, to walk, um, not away, but to walk into new territory. You see, I haven't been, I am not more distant from my family in the sense of connectedness, but I am distant in a different way. And I think the issue is to be able to help people to connect to what is the vision that they have in the future. See, if somebody really um, can identify with that sense that St. Um, Teresa was saying, that real passionate wonder where your eyes are wide and you feel like a little child exploring the universe for the first time, that is what empowers you to move forward. And that is where you get the energy of connectedness, which allows you to take the steps that otherwise you might not have the courage to do. And so you live in paucity. You might, like you said, you might be desiring to be a painter, um, but you never ever had the, um, the courage to take that next step because you never actually saw yourself as a painter in your own mind's eye. And I know, Peter, that you've, um, you've done a lot of work in psychology and so you, you'd understand the whole percentage of our subconscious that controls our decision making. Most of our decision making is in fact limited as a result of, of the fact that um, what's limited on the conscious sense because most of our decision making is actually done by our subconscious and if you question that, if you think, gee, that can't be right, just have a think about how you bought your last car or when you got married with your spouse. Um, what was the compelling factors? And it's not because you sat down consciously and did a checklist. It's because so much of what we are is actually in our subconscious. And in my book, Energizing Love, I talk about that, how to, how to get in touch with the wonderful assets that we have that enable us to, to view more about where, you know, how we can become abundant. And those things are, for example, our dreams, um, our emotions, our imagination and our creativity and, and the ability to just sit and be silent. Those are the things that give you the power to move forward. And I would love for every listener of this program to be able to move forward and to be able to do the things and be the person that they truly are, to do the things they really want to do. Before you came on, Phil, a friend of mine, she had a question, and it was kind of interesting. And I said, yeah, I'd ask, I'll ask Phil when he comes on, because she had looked at the book, um, Energizing, you know, uh, Your Love. And the guess the question is, and I agree with you a thousand percent, there's so much unconscious acts that we engage in through repetition without scrutinizing them we accept them for what they are not even at face value we just accept them however destructive they may be and her question was is if there was one thing or anything that you could do immediately phil to override your unconscious patterns you want to make an aha right here right now moment consciously and say this is what I'm going to think or do that will supersede, override, and be more powerful than anything I've ever 
done in the past that is stored in my unconscious, whether I've lived it or I've just accepted it. What would your advice be in terms of saying, I want to override everything that's been destructive from my past. What can I think or do right now to change it? Yeah. And my view on that is, is very strong because it's the, it's the basic elements of coaching. And the basic elements of coaching are to say, first of all, envisage where you want to be, that passionate, that's where I, re that's what I, that's where I truly am. But the second element of coaching is to come back and to see what can I do right now that will take me one small achievable step towards that goal? And it might seem like the two are at variance, but in actual fact, they're like the cogs in a machine. They work together. So one small thing, I want to be fit, but I smoke. Can I just stop smoking one less cigarette today? There's a big difference between the uh, trying to, you get overwhelmed if you, if you start to go into the situation of where you think, I've got to achieve it all right now. So identifying where you want to be, what are your passions, and who you truly are is a wonderful, wonderful motivation. Trying to assess what you could do right now that will help you towards that is an achievable and rewarding part of the wheel. I call the wheel that, that thing which moves you forward. And as you know, when a wheel is moving forward, it is going in a direction and, it's, and it has momentum and inertia in that direction. So when you take one small step, even if it's the tiniest little step, you're starting the wheel moving towards your goal. And that's incredibly important. At the same time, we have pain. And the pain of... Our memories, the recollections of the um, of the things that have stifled us or stopped us in the past can stop us from even even wanting to have that vision or re recalling that vision of what we really want to be because we're afraid that we will feel even worse if we if we really realistically look at who we are and what our potential is because we might be stuck for all sorts of reasons in our relationships, in our work. Uh, let's say, let's say you, you, you're cleaning the floor at the moment and you want to be a rocket scientist. And that's what you've always wanted to be. But the difference between the two is, is only a matter of getting that wheel working because if you truly believe that you have the potential to achieve something within yourself, then getting that wheel, getting that movement going is the first thing that can get the inertia broken. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you put that out there because you're right. Absolutely right, Phil. In order to succeed, I believe that you have to work backwards by first seeing your end in sight for knowing exactly what it is that you truly want. And it's kind of interesting. And I think Todd knows the song. And I don't know if you've been in Canada long enough to know, you know, the famous lines, if I had a million dollars, I'd be rich. Um, you know, from the, the Bare Naked Ladies, where you're looking at this, well, in order to be rich, I need to have a million dollars. But what if I already felt rich, then I would attract that million dollars into my life, correct? Correct. Absolutely. Yep. And, and usually the reason why we are not rich, um, 
in many ways is because we have denied the connection to who we truly are, that subconscious connection. If we, if we listen to our dreams, for example, they can help us enormously. And I'll give you an example. Uh, in 2000, I was having recurring dreams, and they were awful dreams. They were dreams where I was coming out of one of those World War II concrete pillboxes, um, and I climbed onto the top of the pillbox, and my arms and legs were chopped off, and I was lying there bleeding. And a good friend of mine is a, a psychologist in Australia, and I sat down with him at lunch one day, and I said, Rob, what, what do I do in this you know, what, what does this dream mean? And he asked me a whole pile of questions and we talked for about half an hour and nothing seemed to be working until as a result of his questions, he said to me, Phil, when was the last time that you actually got in touch with your artistic side and played music, which is something that I've always loved? As soon as he said that, I broke down into tears. You see, what the messages were, the dreams were saying, Pay attention, Phil. Pay attention. You're cutting part of yourself off. And when I realized, oh, oh, my God, that's what's been going on, I then swung around and I brought that back into my life, and it's been wonderful. I've just absolutely adored the last 15 years and produced several albums. And it's, but, but I was denying it. I was pushing it away. So getting in touch with that is a very important thing. And often that's because we are under the influence of other people's opinions. But freedom to believe is often covered with a deadening blanket of opinion and prejudice. Other people's opinions and prejudices. If you can get in touch with who you really are, you become aware of where other people's opinions are and you can learn to bracket that. I don't know if you know the term bracketing, do you? It sounds f somewhat familiar. Yeah, so basically bracketing is where you put something in parenthesis and you can just put it aside. It, it, it's there as a note, but it's not driving you. Uh. So, so when you are in a situation where something like other people's opinions comes in, you say, okay, I can hear that. That's respectful, I can hear that. But... I'm able to bracket it and put it aside. So I want to be um, the successful owner of a software company. But somebody else's thoughts say, well, you've never done this before. Uh, you haven't got the cash. Uh, where are you going to get the employees? And to be able to take those thoughts and say, yeah, that's a sensible input, but I'm bracketing that because that's not actually who I am or where I want to go. That's just things that I need to take into account. So rather than writing the person off and saying, oh, you're just being negative, is to say, thank you, but I put you aside. Mm. You are now, you are now uh, you're a respected part of my community, but you're not driving me. Because that's actually the fear that's coming up through the subconscious, that, that, that you want to be able to put that aside. It's interesting you mentioned that too, because we need to take a break. But before we go to break, I will say this about what you just said. People's opinions, specifically my parents and my musical, burgeoning musical talent when I was young, um, 
because we get a lot of that 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 influence and that those first opinions from people that we live with, and you consider them an experts or experts in their field and experts at, at parenting, and then when they say, "Oh, you'll never you'll never be a singer, you'll never be a songwriter," it's it's kind of hurtful. But then I guess you develop a mechanism, like you said, the bracketing to sort of say, "I appreciate you took the time to opinion, but to opinion on or take an opinion on what I'm doing, but I'm going to put it aside," and that's that's kind of interesting that. That uh, we also share that, and the other thing we share as well is um, um, playing the guitar. I mean, playing music is just such a cathartic process, and it just oh, it harmonizes true. everything else that's going on in in our lives. And it's something that I I know as well. I put aside for a very long time, and now that I'm back to it, it's just such a great stress release. <laughs> Wonderful. We must get together and jam sometime. Absolutely. <laughs> well, we need to take a break and pay the bills. You're listening to Matters of the Mind worldwide on Listen Up Talk Radio at talk-radio.ca. Buying or selling a home, condo, or investment property may be one of the largest transactions you'll ever make. It's important to gather as much information as you can, and preferably from experienced, successful professionals. When it comes time to make your move, call the Mulholland Ross Real Estate Team with Keller Williams Real Estate Service at 416-230-8500 or visit www.realestatetoronto.com. Whether you're making your first move or selling your much-loved family home, the Mulholland Ross team offers over 26 years of real estate sales and service across the GTA. Listen every Sunday at 4 p.m. here on Radio That Doesn't Suck to hear the team share advice and information that will assist you with your personal wealth through real estate. Questions or topics you'd like to see covered? Email info at realestatetoronto.com or call the Mulholland Ross team at 416 Welcome to my new book, Niagara's Most Haunted Legends and Myths, which is not just a book about ghosts and haunted places, rather about history in the Niagara region. This book explores and uncovers parts of the Niagara region which are considered some of the richest in North American history and the most haunted. As a matter of fact, one of the bloodiest battles in North American history, the War of 1812, between the British and the Americans was fought here. And this year, the bicentennial year anniversary of the War of 1812 is covered in this book. This book explores most of the haunted places, legends that have existed from the 1800s right now to 2012. Each chapter covers a different type of landmark which not only educates readers on historical significances, but also entertains with anecdotal ghost stories and paranormal investigations. Join me in this book as we visit beds and breakfasts, ships and boats, trains, tunnels, museums, mansions, highways, forts, cemeteries, waterfalls, and many more, and see if the Niagara region is really haunted. Niagara's Most Haunted Legends and Myths is now available at Indigo Chapters and online on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com and visit our website, www.niagara'smosthaunted.com. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Welcome back to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Peter Sacco. Heard worldwide on Listen Up Talk Radio at talk-radio.ca. Welcome back to Matters of the Mind, where everything on your mind matters to us each and every week. And folks, definitely do keep the emails coming, Facebook messages, Twitter. Uh, we love you, and we love the fact that you listen to us each and every week. 
And we love the fact that we've got a great guest today. His name is Phil Cheney, who is, of all individuals, an Australian who moved to Canada rather than a Canadian who moved to Australia, which is kind of cool. And <laughs> Phil has done a lot of things in his life. Definitely check out his website, philchaney.com. And we've got him on today because he's a life coach. He teaches abundance and he teaches the power of uh, intention, attracting into your life what you want. He's got a really cool book out called Energizing Love, Achieving Abundant Life Using the Source of All Energy. So, Phil, Valentine's Day is roughly about a week and a half away. So there are people that are listening that are going, gee, will this year be the one, the year, when I finally meet somebody before Valentine's Day uh, or I find the love of my life this year? Yeah. How... Would you go about explaining that in terms of energizing a love? Well, first of all, um, one of the biggest things that um, the most important aspects of, of our lives is self-belief. Um, we just finished reading, my wife and I just finished reading a book on willpower, and we realized um, in the reading of that, there's been a lot of research done recently in terms of um, how to get self, how to you know, regain your self-confidence and your self-belief. So, <clears throat> so basically, what what we are trying to achieve is is a sense of confidence to be able to go out there and to have other people see us for what we truly are. But but what stops us is that we don't actually believe very much in ourselves often. And if we're going to have a life of abundance, there. There needs to be a focus on what can um, help us to see what we have to contribute. And that largely is about believing in ourselves that we're actually lovable. And so energizing love, the, the issue of seeing love as an intentional energy that is actually there for you is incredibly important. And you'll find it in most religions have this. But it's not about religion, it's actually about self-awareness self and being able to accept the fact that you can love yourself and that you can be kind to yourself is incredibly important. So what happens is that in many cases, um, some of the research that's been done recently shows that they did some tests, um, for example, about heating and... Um, people will reduce the heating as a result of what? this year, what's it going to be like? 
and to just think about that and allow the power of what's inside you to come forth. I think that's a wonderful, wonderful uh, way of, of getting started. It's funny that you mentioned that you're talking about intentioning and you're talking about attracting the right kind of mate for you. I have known quite a few people, as we all likely have, that did not do that inside work to figure out what they needed and did not have the self-confidence and in fact attracted someone that was very bad for them. So they attracted the wrong kind of person that took advantage of them, that harmed them in many ways, financially, personally, physically. Um, And it's very important to figure out what it is to gain that strength and that confidence so that you attract the right kind of person. Yep. Well, Anita Roddick says, get informed, get outraged, get inspired, and then get active. And I think that pretty much summarizes it, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's all, it's all very well to, uh, you know, to trigger all these things of, yeah, I'm going to do this, but you actually have to have something that will help to get that wheel moving in that uh, forward direction that we spoke about before. And um, it's a wonderful, wonderful life. I mean, I, I can say honestly that I, I just I feel so blessed so um, uh, so grateful for my life, and and yet it hasn't always been that way. Um, I I lost my son when he was only twenty years old, and um, I you know I've got to say that that was a defining moment for me because it it it, it just broke me apart. But even in the worst pain. If you can see it as a part of the journey that helps us learn, it's a bit like a limp. If there is a, if there is a limp, it can help us to realize we need to stand tall and to balance and walk in that way in, in order to respect the pain. And when it comes to emotional pain, most of us don't want don't to look at it, so we push it aside and we end up what happens if you don't respect your limp? You get worse. It actually gets worse. And you can end up in a situation where you can't walk at all. So the first part of freedom is to be able to say, ah, oh, wow, I've got a pain. And instead of rejecting it, say, well, what is it teaching me? Mm-hmm. The same with that, with it, well, not just with pain, with, with all the emotions, with all the dreams we have. It's a wonderful source. If we could just wake up each day and say, wow, I had a dream, or wow, I'm having an emotion. I might be angry. I might be really, really um, frustrated. doesn't matter what the emotion is. What is it teaching me? What can I learn from that? And then you can excitedly take the rest of the day to think, oh, I'm going to, ha- I'm going to absorb, I'm going to whatever, whatever I'm doing that day, I'm going to work with this behind me because it's teaching me, it's leading me. And instead of us feeling alone and separate, is to recognize with all these emotions and dreams and, and our and imagination all there to support us. This is just us. And then we've got our friends and our friendships and our other relationships around us that also support us. And how do you feel when you've got that? So it's true. Wonderful. It's wonderful, Absolutely. isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, we're out of time, Phil. Uh, we are so grateful that you were able to take uh, the time to join us from your busy schedule today. And so folks wanting to know more about you, they can go right to your website, philchaney.com. That's phil, C-H-E-N-E-Y.com and learn more about abundance. Thank you so much, Phil. Have a wonderful day. 
It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, allowing me to come onto your program, and I hope you have a great day too. We'll be in touch. <laughs> Bye-bye. So you're listening to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio, and we'll be right back after this short break. to Matters of the Mind, where everything on your mind matters to us each and every weekend. So now what matters most to us is Alan Campbell, who is the CEO and founder of the Center for Abuse Awareness, abusehurts.ca. Hello, Alan. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. Thank you. So, Alan, um, we actually haven't had John for a couple weeks due to your busy schedule on that. So um, tell us, what is going on and new with... Um, your center. You guys, um, any upcoming events that people should be aware of? Well, just our opening of our store, and that's what's kept us so busy. Uh, we have um, this Saturday, again, it's a good time to shop for Valentine. We have a liquidation center for furniture, eventually clothing, and some little knickknacks and jewelry. We opened up last week, and it was very successful. And as you probably know, Peter, I said we, we take... Uh, gently used furniture, and we either paint it or sell it as is, and it helps support our program for delivering hope. So this week, uh, we're on again from January, uh, sorry, February 6th, from 10 in the morning to 6 in the evening, and it's 125 Edward Street in Aurora. Okay, so you have furniture, and uh, you're selling excess furniture, but you're also taking in furniture from the community gently used. Yes. And and the intent for that, again, is to help people that are struggling, starting again, um, get centered and, and, and feel like they're like they have something and again because of some of the situations that people go through, they lose literally everything. And it must be yes. very you know, down, getting downhearted because they have, they've left everything. They do. I mean, many of the women, and, and it's not just women, it's men, too. Uh, we, we help men, as you know, um, men, lots of men go through addictions, or we talked about briefly, there's a lot more domestic abuse of men, and men end up leaving the house um, because they don't have any option, and so they have nothing. So we help them get set up in their new place. We can provide them with furniture and housewares, brand new bedding, and really uh, just even knickknacks that make it a home. And we're starting a program where decorators actually go in and help them pull their house together, come here and get new drapes and things for them. That's just a new program, but we've already done our first program and uh, with one lady, and it was really, really wonderful because Lots of times it's just the little knick-knacky things and the rugs and the drapes that really make it a home instead of just a place to stay. Mm. I don't want to get too political here, but I want to ask you, do you, we have a new federal government in place and they seem to be, to a lot of people, more socially responsible and, and a bit more compassionate. Are you hoping that that is a good thing, a good arbiter for the CCAA in general? Actually, I'm quite concerned. Because okay. what, what came out recently was that they are going to go back and look at overturning all the 
laws that were brought in during the Harper government, which were some pretty strong, strong laws against prevention of child abuse, you know, minimum sentencing, age of consent. They're reassessing all those things that we worked so hard to bring in. So we have our director of public safety, John Muse, has come back on board with us. Mark Allen um, actually left us to work with Sheldon Kennedy, which is great. John Muse used to be with us years ago, and he's come back on board with us, and we're going to start to contact the government and start to fight that that doesn't happen. So actually, it's not a good thing. Well, that's I'm good afraid. to know. That's good to know because we will definitely keep an eye on that and spread the word for sure. Yes, Absolutely. I'll keep you posted. On We, we may need some uh, petitions and things going forward. And Ellen, one of the things that I have found interesting as a practitioner back in the day when I was out there, and it's really interesting because I get lots of people now actually have been asking me, contacting me on Facebook and private uh -huh. message, messages because the Valentine season is up and coming. And it, and for me, it means absolutely nothing. I'm a single guy, so the Valentine's going to yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be taking myself out for dinner. Uh, so yeah. with that said, what is really interesting, Ellen, is that abuse rates actually go up prior to Christmas rate up until after Valentine's Day. And it's almost like for Valentine's Day, this is when the cork finally blows, that a lot of relationships, and I hate to put this, um, and I know Todd's not a big fan of Valentine's Day because it's a Hallmark date, um, <laughs> yeah. that, that a lot of people will actually, as I call it, it's the purging, where they will end the relationship and there will be abuse rates that can kind of go up right around now. Yeah, I believe that's true. I, I, I think that's true. And lots of times people kind of just hang in with the relationship to get through Christmas and sometimes even Valentine's. But, you know, obviously there's a lot of dysfunctional relationships out there. You're as healthy as your partner, and um, so it's usually very two wounded people in the relationship. <clears throat> yeah, I, I agree. And I guess, too, there's a lot of more alcohol and celebrating going on, too, which I think makes things even worse. So I guess, Ellen, what I'm asking you is to speak to the audience. To let people know that it's a special day, Valentine's Day, for some people, but it will not save a dysfunctional, abusive relationship. Absolutely, absolutely. And sometimes those purgings might be the best thing that could happen to you. It might save your life. Every eight minutes, a woman is murdered in North America. And I see the women here. We have them here all the time. And they think if they just stay, they can fix them, they can fix them. Or a man, the opposite way. Um, and you can't. It's not your job to fix them, as you know, Peter. So don't don't over put oh, too much importance on Valentine's Day for sure. It's, it's just a it's a day. It absolutely is, and and do the work the other 364 days here so that you don't have to make up for it on Valentine's Day or or take yourself out for dinner. Be nice to yourself the rest of the year. Correct. Exactly. I'm spending it with my two dogs, so there you go. There you go. <laughs> Ellen Campbell from Canadian Centre for Abuse Awareness. Thanks again. Okay. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, guys. Thanks. More Thanks Matters so. of the Mind right around the corner.
folks, that's a wrap for our show. So what we're hoping for is that you're going to have a whole lot of loving for us next week as we're going to do a special show on love and romance. Uh, kind of, you know, the things that make the world go around since it's going to be leading into Valentine's Day next week. And, and as we talked about, love and romance doesn't necessarily mean, it doesn't happen within the confines of a relationship. You need to be good to yourself. Treat yourself to dinner, um, as Ellen's going to do. She's going to spend, uh, you know, have Valentine's Day with her two dogs. So there you go. Yeah, I got my two, well, more than one, two fish, but that's how I'm going to be spending my Valentine's Day. <laughs> one fish, two fish. Yeah, basically doing something out of Dr. Seuss, basically. What a wonderful romance that is. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, more Matters of the Mind coming your uh, every Wednesday at 8 p.m. on Listen Up Talk Radio and uh, elsewhere on podcast worldwide. We'll catch you right back here next week. You've been listening to Matters of the Mind on Listen Up Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Peter Andrew Sacco. Get in touch with him on his website, petersacco.com, or find his contact page on Listen Up at talk Radio.ca. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash listen up talk radio on Twitter at listen up talk. Thanks for listening and sharing our posts. We'll catch you next week. And all I